hey, what I invite you to do today, and what we get to do is we get to see the wonder of our of our Savior, the wonder of Jesus, centrality of who he is from this relentless presentation that Mark does in his gospel. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 9. And we get to see one of the most amazing things today about who Jesus is. Well, I started with this. Jesus is going to shine bright. But this picture captured something for me. And um, when I asked people what it is, oh, it's a giraffe. No, it's not a giraffe. It's a photobomb. Right? Do you guys photobombs, the thing where people, they get in the photo, and then all of a sudden they become the focus of the photo. And so often in church, it's like this to me. It's like instead of seeing, no, this is a wonderful picture of a rare African antelope. I don't know if it is. Don't look it up. Someone's going to make fun of me afterwards. This beautiful picture. Instead, oh, wait, there's a giraffe. And you start thinking about and, and, and thinking on something that the photo wasn't even about, but it distracts you. And so often in our Christian circles, in our Christian lives, it's like this. Life is like this. We get distracted away from the wonder and centrality of who our Savior is. I was talking to someone this week, and a friend says, you know, church, all church, but our church too, is like the island of misfit toys. Do you ever see Toy Story 4? It's like there are things that just aren't, don't work very well, and they don't, and, and, and there are people that are abrasive, and, and, and boy, programs that seem to not go, and, and I just, oh, things don't, and you start to think, I gotta make everything better. I gotta get to work on me. We gotta get to work on you. We gotta advance these ways, and we start to get, I would call, photobombed, distracted. From the wonder of why you're here today, why I'm here today, why we're singing songs, it's because of Jesus. We, oh precious people, we have found, could I say we've been found by Jesus. I want you to see him, I want you to believe it, I want you to just be able to have your heart refreshed and encouraged because he is enough for you. Let's look. We're going to start here in, in um, Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 9. It's an amazing passage of the transfiguration. It's in every single one of the synoptic gospels. It's a critical and key thing. But I wonder if you notice that it's always paired with something else in the Bible. There's a thing for you to see together with the next passage, always together about our Savior. Let's look. Here we go. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. The Word of God. And this is Jesus talking to them, and he says, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it's come with power. Oh, that's always been a difficult verse, but this amazing thing to think. There are people standing with Jesus, says, that's going to see the kingdom of God in power. Many commentators think Jesus says that to look and what comes next? This mountaintop high. So mountaintop high, here it is. After six days, in verse 2, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. I just, I just imagine, can't you? It's like, well, Jesus shaking them awake early in the morning and say, let's go. And they think they're going on a prayer vigil or something up to the mountaintop to be with Jesus. And, and there they go. And, and it says, and his clothes, he was, he was transfigured. 
before them. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. Okay, whoa. I know if you're a believer and you've been around the Bible at all, you know the transfiguration. It's even given a name, this little scene, right? When Jesus all of a sudden started to blaze. His clothes so white they could hardly look at them. And and then glory, right? Transfigured before them, changed before them. And then here comes Elijah and here comes Moses. I want you to notice that it's after six days. There's this piece there particularly to think about its worship. There's This is a worship scene. The glory of God being shown. And so if you think of the Bible as, as, as a story, that the arc of God's story of, 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 of His saving humankind, this is a culminating piece because here you've got Moses who represents the law and he wrote the first five books of the Bible and he's, he's the originator of, of, of the law from God. And then you've got Elijah who represents this whole prophet's piece where the kingdom and the people had gotten oh so lost, but the prophets, they were strong, and they spoke the word of God to people. And here it is. And 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 they're gathered. And they're talking. Don't you wish you knew what they're talking about? I want to be there. I want to be James. Or I want to be John. I want to be Peter. To hear what they're talking about and say, I don't know. I wish we knew what we were talking about. No. Actually, we know what they were talking about. How do you know what they're talking about? Because this is in all three gospel accounts, all three synoptic gospels. And in Luke's account, it says, I I won't go there, I'll just read it to you so you hear it. They were talking about his exodus, his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Do you hear that? So, Moses appears... Elijah appears, and Jesus is there blazing, and they're talking about what Jesus is about to do. Die on a cross. Only only one person is radiating white. It doesn't say Moses and Elijah were also radiating. You know, Moses, remember that? It's an amazing scene in in, in um, Exodus where we're... Moses hides behind the rock and the glory, the tail of God's glory kind of passes by him. And then when he comes down from the mountain, he's reflecting this radiant glory. His face was shining. Moses reflects the glory of God. This is Jesus. He is the glory of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Wow. What would you do? What would you do seeing this? What, what kind of things? And, 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 and so we see what Peter does. Peter says this. Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he didn't know what to say because he was terrified. They all were. Whenever Peter's terrified, good things don't usually happen. And in this case, he kind of goes, whoa, I, I, let's make one each. And the idea of tents, right, the idea of tabernacle is the word, right? Let's make a tabernacle. 
And we'll make one for Elijah and one for Moses and one for you because you guys are the big heavy hitters that all the Bible's about. And we go and we hear from Moses and we learn what to do. And we go to Elijah and we hear the word of God and what to do. And we'll go to you, Jesus, and we'll hear the word of God and know what to do. It's pretty awesome mega hitters. This would be an awesome lineup. Jesus will let you back clean up, but we'll put the other two right around you. And then you hear this, a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. So this is not a three-way triumvirate, right? This is not a let's go here from each person and, and they can have this cool powwow and, and then they're going to figure stuff out together. This is my beloved son. Listen to him, not them. And suddenly only Jesus. Jesus, the culmination of all the Old Testament. Everybody pointing to who? Jesus. I think we'd all accept this with them and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus is the culmination. The cross stands alone. It's, it's so awesome. But, but even the thinking of, of the guys is that, okay, now they're going to establish this kingdom. These guys all were part of this buildup where Jesus is going to do it, and he's going to do it with power. Jesus is coming to rule and reign and start it all up, and instead, Jesus is talking about something entirely different, right? He's speaking of his exodus. He's speaking of his departure. He's speaking of his death. This is the glory. This is the glory. This is the wonder. Jesus Christ dying. Right? Jesus, dead and resurrected is the victory. To take away from that is to take away from the victory. To take away, to see, to see the picture. Jesus alone dying for us. That's what we're trying to see. Moses and Elijah, there to affirm him. As they were coming down the mountain, verse 9, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. You see, they, they totally believe here. Now they've seen the blazing glory of Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. And they've heard this voice from heaven. And, and they're coming down. And, and they get that. He's the beloved Son. But But this death stuff. This rising from the dead. Why die? He's reestablishing the kingdom so that, you know, judgment comes, right? That, I guess that kind of makes sense. It, maybe he's Elijah returned. They actually ask this question that's kind of funny. And if you're with me, walk along and you've seen this amazing thing and they're coming down off this great experience and they've seen this wondrous thing that points to Christ alone and his death as the glory of God, that then they could come down and they ask this question and I don't really get it. It says they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? (laughs) What? And as soon as I read that, and so far I'm in the story and I'm picturing Jesus shining and I'm picturing them just kind of messing up and trying to put them all together, but then I'm kind of with them as they come down. And then they ask this question and they lost me. Elijah? 
Until you realize this, you realize that they have the Old Testament, that's the word of God given to them, and the whole Old Testament's laid out there. And, and in our Old Testament, the, the English one is the very last book of our Old Testament, Malachi. To them it wasn't at the end in terms of logistically, but it was the oldest last prophet before all the silence hit and there were no more prophecies of God. The last one before the kingdoms broke apart and and there wasn't a voice from God saying, this is what's happening next. That last prophet was Malachi. And in the last chapter of Malachi, chapter 4, there's this statement and it says this. Here it is. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. That's what they're talking about. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with that particular prophecy. Yeah, but, 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 but this is, this is the word of God to them. And the last word says, I'm coming again in great judgment, in great wonder, in great power. And Elijah's coming first. And so they're all waiting for Elijah to come. Who did they just see? Elijah. You start to make sense with the, with, with Peter sitting there and he sees this amazing thing where Jesus is blazing up there and then Elijah appears. Oh, and then here comes Jesus. What's next? The great and terrible day of the Lord. The day where God takes these bad nations and he beats them up and kicks them out and he establishes his strength and kingdom forever. Goodness and greatness and wonder. So, 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 so Jesus, so Jesus, well, it's the question, why did the scribes say Elijah must come first? Is really a question of, was that him? Jesus, are you now here? We're gonna, we're coming down this mountain and finally it's time. It's another way to get away from what? Jesus dying. Everything we do always, if we can get away from something, it's this, it's this, this actual center of what God is doing. He comes and says, I'm going to save you by me dying for you. And we're all like, well, when are you going to um, make me better and we're going to conquer? No, 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 come back. He's dying for you. He said to them in verse 12, Elijah does come first to restore all things. You're right. Malachi's right. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? See, but the issue's really the Son of Man. That's who's talking to you. And I tell you that Elijah has come. We know elsewhere that's John the Baptist. Come. And they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. Yeah, they took his head off. We've seen that already. Think on this, says Jesus. Yeah, 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 Elijah, Elijah, that's, that's, that's the giraffe. I'm, I'm telling you, the Son of Man is here. What's going to happen to him? That's what's going to happen to Jesus. Says That's what's going to happen to me, says Jesus. The only hope you have isn't proper law-keeping of the Old Testament. The only hope you have isn't the return of Elijah. The hope is in me, he's saying. Elijah points to me, he says, and my hope that you've just seen, my glory, is that I'm going to suffer and die. Here's the point. 
This amazing experience, this amazing thing, here's the point, this is the high, is that Jesus isn't reflecting glory. He is glory. He's shining in this passage. And, and, and then, and it's an amazing miracle. It's an amazing thing because he's born of a woman. He's a human being and he's sitting there transfigured and, and blazing in glory because around this central piece of what he's going to do, his glory is in his death and suffering for us. He did it for you. Okay. Hold that. The highest high in history, if you would see with Peter and James as John, the, the glory of, of God in the suffering and death that he's going to do for salvation for people, and, and, and we don't live on mountaintops. So, okay, that's great, Dax. I'm, I'm happy that happened. But what does it look like, actually? Why is this so central? Okay, so come down with me to real life lows. This next piece is always with the transfiguration. Always. And it flows right in from the path, from the, the, from verse 13. Here's verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. So they leave this mountaintop and they come down and they come down to chaos. There's, 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 there's shouting going on and arguing and this group is over here and these guys are there and their disciples are here and they, they see this scene and now it's not a quiet, idyllic scene with just a few people and Jesus blazing in glory and Elijah and Moses affirming Jesus and God himself saying, listen only to Jesus and that you've got this blah. I love it. Real life. And immediately the crowd, verse 15, when they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to Jesus. They greeted him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Jesus like, what's up? Run over. Oh, there's Jesus. And somebody from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they weren't able. Okay, don't get caught in this, because your Western mind, like mine, gets caught in this immediately. I go, ooh, ooh, ooh. What was it again? It seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the grinds his teeth, and he becomes... Epilepsy. The kid's got epilepsy. And these disciples, they think it's some demon. Are they crazy? He needs certain kinds of medicine that'll help his epilepsy. Stop. No. This is a description of something that's going on. It's an amazing thing where this kid all of a sudden slams down and flows. And, and, and they asked for help and they couldn't help him. That's the issue. It's not what is this condition. It's why they couldn't help. Jesus, your guys are powerless, right? He's got a spirit that makes him have seizures. That's what it sounds like. You're supposed to be the healer. You've given disciples your powers. They aren't working. Do you see the shift in focus? Jesus blazing in glory. Jesus, the only power at all. And the guys saw it. They know this. But down on the ground, the issue really is, does, is, is Jesus have enough power? (laughs) 
Jesus is going to do what no one else can do ever. He's going to die for humanity, and by his blood we are healed, and we sing these songs of amazement and wonder. But the reality is, in real life, the question is, I just don't know. My life is not um, exhibiting those powerful uh, influences. I know Jesus is God and can do anything. But but maybe I haven't really felt this wonder that Jesus blazes in glory and he's mine. Maybe I don't understand that the way that glory comes is in death and resurrection. Maybe I think it comes by strength now. Maybe I don't really believe Jesus. So there's this unbelief, this skepticism. And Jesus answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And people say, Well, they said, that man, the disciples didn't have enough faith. If they just would have had more faith, they would have healed this kid. And that's not what Jesus says, right? Oh, faithless generation isn't aimed at the disciples. It's aimed at everybody. Oh, faithless generation. They brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground. He rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) It's always a good thing, by the way, when you go to the doctor, if you can exhibit the symptoms. (laughs) You get a lot of times they're like, oh, yeah, he's having this terrible problem. You go to the doctor and then never do it. So here it is. It's not the problem. The problem is this. It's this foaming at the mouth stuff, foaming in the ground and seizing. And, 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 and Jesus looking out and saying, faithless generation, why? It's not because if they just had faith, everyone would be healed because there are lots of people who never get healed in Jesus day too. What's going on? Okay. Let's, let's keep going. Verse 21. Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the dad says, from childhood. And it's often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. It's really interesting. This has happened for a long time, the dad says. And so I imagine thinking of this kid that, that he's got scars. He's got developmental delays because if you have what I would call epilepsy or seizures happen a lot, it starts to affect your brain. Your brain overheats. You start to have things where you look different and you don't function very well and and you belong on the island of misfit toys. But if you can do anything, really, We know, we've read the first part. We know Jesus blazes in glory. We know he's the son of God. He can do anything. It's not a question of if he can. It just seems like that to the father. And, 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 and that's in part because he doesn't believe Jesus, but in part it's because he doesn't understand the message. What's the message of salvation? Death and resurrection. That's not really what he's asking for. He's asking for healing now. Make it better. 
stop the suffering. That's what he's asking for. Jesus says to him, if you can. (laughs) Yeah, I can. All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out. He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I want to just back up for a second because I don't want you to miss this. There were two things that the father actually said. It's like, if, if, if you can, please have compassion. So what he pled for was God would have mercy on him. What he's pleading for is unearned favor, mercy. If you would have compassion. And Jesus like, if I can, that if I can isn't a, oh, I have ability to heal. It's a, do you, do you not see that the whole life that I'm living is that I have mercy? Because I'm going to die for you. My whole life is about mercy for you. And, 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 and this idea of belief is, do you believe Jesus is for you? Or not? Do you believe that Jesus has compassion in this, this most amazing thing, I, I just, <laughs> I think it's here on purpose. I, I think it's really important for you to see that, that it wasn't about the strength of the faith of the Father. The Father didn't say, oh yeah, I believe, and stop. He says, I want to. He kind of says, I want to believe, right? I want to believe. Help my unbelief, he says. It's not the statement of, I believe so much. I've got my belief quotient up to, because now I'm worthy of healing, because that's just another marker to say I've made it and I'm worthy. Now heal me because I believe and I've exhibited to you my great faith. The Father instead says, I don't really believe. Jesus, help me. Even for the faith. This is all about if Jesus has compassion or not. This is amazing stuff. I don't really believe. Please help. Jesus looks around and you already know what he's going to do. He's going to heal. Yes, but don't you dare miss the picture. When Jesus saw the crowd come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. Look to the right. Saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. (laughs) Jesus saves, doesn't he? Do you see how he saves? He says by his word, leave. And then he says, never come out again. It's irrevocable. The word is there. It makes and does what it's supposed to do. It will not mean that this kid will ever have this again because he says, don't come back. Total saving, irreversible saving, never going to do it again. By his word, by his authority alone, done. It's cool. This is my Jesus. He can heal. Let's see what it looks like. And after crying and out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So they said, he's dead. Do you get it? The incredible salvation of Jesus looks like this. He got worse. Right? I mean, that's what they're saying. The whole thing went down, and now he's worse than he was before. Now he was he was seizing before and rigid and foaming. Now he's dead. That's what I see. I trust Jesus. I see him act. I hear his voice. His voice says, 
out, never come back again. And then, and then it appears to all appearances like he's dead. You're like, Dad, because you just haven't let enough time go by. Well, yeah, no duh. How about you? Because Jesus reaches and takes him by the hand. And he lifted him up. And he rose. He's dead, right? To all appearances dead. And Jesus Christ reaches him down and raises him up. What's that sound like? It sounds a heck of a lot like resurrection to me. It sounds like I was dead, but now I live. It sounds like Jesus grabbing me and picking me up because Jesus, who, who, who by his own act says the way to life is that you die and I will resurrect you. By his promise and his word, he says, I am saving you. You are forgiven. Do you believe it? You say, yeah, 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 I believe it, but you believe it. And then we kind of think, well, but then I should look better. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus, I put my faith in you. Now my life should go better, and I should be better. I should be a better person. You know, I used to be on the island of misfit toys, but now I'm the island of shiny toys. Only Jesus, I'm not. And the people around me aren't either. They look dead too. Yeah, no. <laughs> you haven't waited long enough. If you waited long enough, what's going to happen? You are going to die. What's happening after that? Jesus Christ will raise you from the dead. That's my hope. It's yours too. Why do I know it's true? Because he said so. And the Bible presents this Jesus as the blazing glory of God. The Bible presents this Jesus as the one who came to save. The Bible presents this Jesus and says what he did was he came and he shed his blood so that you can live. Nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with how great you did last week in your prayer time. Nothing to do in any of that all to do with what he's done. And he says, do you believe him? Do you, is this where your eggs are? Is this where your hope is? Is in this Jesus who died on a cross for you? Yes. Alive by promise, Jesus says he will rescue us forever. And this promise doesn't seem to do a whole lot, but he has you and you will rise. And we know Jesus is who he is. We know he is glorious and the culmination of everything the Bible has talked about. The method is what's in stake. The photobomb comes to play. I think Jesus shouldn't be about death and resurrection. I think Jesus should be about cleaning me up. Disciples are the same way. They don't understand. Even right here, when they entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast it out? And he said to him, this kind can't be driven out by anything but prayer. Think about this for a minute and think about what you think about this because how you think about this will reveal to you a bit about how you're thinking about your Christian life. Because you could take it this way. Here's way one that you may live in. Man, those disciples just didn't pray enough. This kind can't come out except by prayer. And some versions in other places say prayer and fasting. So you think what they needed to do was to fast more, to show more that they were worthy of it, to pray and show God the fruit of this many, many prayers. So if we could just get pray for four days instead of two, then then he would have been healed. And, and this action that I do in order to get somebody healed. And if you're there, that's fine. A lot of people are. I think you're missing the entire point of the passage. What's the point of the passage? Death and resurrection. 
Jesus Christ going to the cross for you. Even acting it out right here with this little boy. This kind can't come out except by prayer. What's prayer? Total dependence on who? God. Prayer isn't some machine gun that I'm using to, to get done what I want done. It's not a lever. Prayer's an expression of you and I saying, I have no hope in me. There's no way I can, Lord, I've got to give this to you because I can't do it. There's nothing I can do to heal this kid. Oh God, please have mercy and do it. Lord, I, even, even I pray, I pray, I praying last night for Senga in the hospital. Lord, please, Father, let this operation go well and take away the pain and help her. What can I not do? Take away her pain. Make the operation go well. I wasn't her operating physician or anything, right? But as we pray, we're saying we don't have the power, and Jesus does. And this Jesus telling them, hey, this kind comes out by prayer. What does that mean? I got to do it. Jesus alone. Guess what? He can. He doesn't always. He says no, too. But what he's saying to these disciples is, depend on me. And the question left for you and me today is, who do we depend on? And are we getting distracted by the giraffe in the room that we're not who we could be? Because we're not. But are we pulling in and saying, my only hope is in what Jesus has said. And you know what? As I think of myself that way, and I think of you that way, life changes. Man, we're in this group together. It's an amazing, wonderful thing. Not that you need to do more or someone else needs to do more to pray more, to do better. Man, I pray all the time. As an expression of, oh, Lord God, I pray for my kids. I can't. I pray for my marriage. I pray for your marriage. I pray because because I'm helpless. And I've got a Father. I've got a Savior who says He's got us. His plan is not to make you a better you. And so suffering many times is a part of our story. In fact, it ends this. This is kind of the piece. The low is that Jesus has you in the midst of suffering and death that doesn't seem to stop. Believe this, that he has you. I'm with Paul, who got this later, right? Because he met with Jesus later after he'd been resurrected. And and, and Paul had this amazing experience. He says this, his what he wants to know, that I may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That's not self-sacrifice. The likeness is that Jesus says, I'm going to die. And and then be raised from the dead. And Paul says, that's my hope too. Okay. This is something that's really hard to get. It doesn't seem like it, so I'll go, yeah, no problem. But almost almost the mark of the Christian is how much do you in humility just say, It's gotta be Jesus. None of it's ever gonna be me. The disciples are struggling there too. I'll end with this because they went on from there. They passed through Galilee. He didn't want anyone to know for he was teaching his disciples. This is the word of Jesus Christ. Glory filled, amazing savior. The son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he's killed after three days, he will rise. They didn't understand. They were afraid to ask him. They didn't understand, but Jesus died so that we would. 
Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. His going to the cross for you and me. This is our story. The wonder is, it's true. Pray with me.